0: Hello and welcome to Outward, Slate's LGBTQ podcast. I'm Brian Lauder, an editor at Slate, and I'm your loyal host for this week, which is a very good week indeed because it's time again for advice. Not only that, but we have a very special theme for that advice polyamory. Before we get to that, I just want to give a big thank you out to those of you who send in letters and listeners. Just a reminder to please send in more. We are doing these advice episodes monthly or thereabouts, so the more of your problems, low stakes, or high drama that we can get, the better this is going to be. As always, send voice memos if you can. We love the voice memos or letters to OutwardPodcast at slate.com. Okay, like I said, the theme this time is polyamory. Why? Well, because we seem to be in something of like a capital M moment for poly, at least in terms of mainstream cultural interests. Obviously, a lot of us have been poly for a long time, but uh, <laughs> the mainstream cultural institutions are paying attention right now. In the last few months, we've seen magazine cover stories, we've seen think pieces, buzzy memoirs, whole segments of The View about it for some reason. For better or worse, the debut of this show on Peacock called Couple to Thrupple, which we might talk about in a future episode, we'll see. A lot of this is felt I don't know, for lack of a better word, like kind of straight to me. So we thought it would be good to address uh, a few advice questions about polyamory here amongst queer family. As listeners probably know, I myself fall under the poly umbrella in one of those throuples, but I do consider my experience to be pretty basic, all things considered. So we wanted to bring a real expert on to help with your metamore and nesting partner conundrums. And that wonderful expert is Ashley Ray. Ashley Ray. Ashley Ray is a comedian, actor, writer, and podcast host currently based in Los Angeles And as someone who's vocal about being bisexual and solo polyamorous, Ashley is exactly who we wanted to have on to answer all of these questions. She is not new to polyamory and has probably lived all of your non-monogamous dreams, or maybe they're nightmares, I don't know. Eight boyfriends at once, she's done that. Dating every zodiac sign, done that. 52 dates in a single year, that's once per week, she's done that. Woo! We are so excited to have Ashley here today. Welcome.
1: I am so happy to be here. Yeah, that's, that is my dating history. I consider myself (laughs) a sort of poly dating expert. I have, I've done pretty much all of
0: it that you can do. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you before we get into our questions, sort of, what is your history with polyamory? When did you sort of figure out that that was the, the approach you wanted to take to your life, um, your dating life and, and give us a little bit of that story.
2: Yeah, I
1: guess it really started in high school. Um, I was one of those depressed, fake, deep kids who, <laughs> you know, I was reading The Second Sex and all these books mm. and just really realizing I wanted to define myself independently as a person. And at sure. this time, you know... Uh, In 2009, eight, uh, it it was still like that early 2000s gross misogyny of like, oh, you're gonna end up alone with a cat, you need a man, oh, you know. (laughs) Uh Uh, And I started dating someone in high school who also really understood my need to be an independent person. Like, I wanted to be able to travel and have, you know, partners, and I knew I wanted to go to college in a different state. And, you know, I was open to long distance relationships or just uh, non-traditional relationships because, you know, I wanted to experience the world, but I could still appreciate the relationships I had. Uh, And that partner was really understanding of it. We stayed together uh, for like five years from high school all the way through college. Uh, And it was basically our senior year when we actually started reading the books about polyamory. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a system for this. This (laughs) There's words and it's a whole thing. literature. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The first book I read was Opening Up by Tristan Tormino, which Mm. I absolutely recommend. It really breaks down all the different ways that uh, ethical non-monogamy can happen uh and it, it I it's just a great guide and from there I have been polyamorous ever since then yeah so since 2012 okay. I would say I've been officially like reading the books you know, doing doing it legit. <laughs> doing the thing.
0: We're going to get into some terminology and some of these questions today, but there's one term I thought maybe we could define up front because you use it to describe yourself, which is solo poly. I, I, I suspect some of our listeners maybe don't know that one. So could you explain what that means to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Most people don't know what solo poly is. They hear it and they just think, so you're single. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, most people who are poly have a partner that they are already with when they decide to try the lifestyle. Mm. Uh, So that person will be their primary, uh, you know, or their nesting partner or just their main person. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Solo poly people can be single we also have partners uh but essentially we always want to have multiple partners and we aren't interested in the relationship uh elevator the like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. moving up there i'm not trying to ever share a bank account with someone i don't right. want to get married uh if someone asks i'm single but i also do have a boyfriend <laughs> right. right uh but you know for me uh i it, it'll probably never reach a place where i'm like oh is this someone i want to have kids with uh and then you know i also think there's more fluidity with solo polyamory you know i've dated couples i even mm-hmm. have periods where i will be monogamous with someone if i really like them and i'm mm-hmm. like you know let's just get to know each other one on one for a few months uh and it kind of gives you the ability to ebb and flow as you want oh. with dating you know like sometimes i just want to be alone that's another reason i love being solo poly is I find a lot of us are people who love to, we're kind of (laughs) hermits. We're people who like don't mind a lot of alone time. And in Uh fact, we need it. And so I need to have partners who understand like, I am not going to be the girl that you see every single day. Like I
0: can't handle that.
1: Like I need a day or two where I'm just by myself. (laughs) And it's often confused also with uh, relationship anarchy. But I, I think they're very separate because in solo polyamory, you still do create rules uh, and boundaries with your partners. And, you know, you do define relationships kind of on their terms. uh but there still is the sense of, like, there's a romantic relationship in solo polyamory, whereas the, uh, the romantic, high-anarchy people, I don't, I don't know what they're... They're
0: out there. They're yeah. doing it up. <laughs> we can explore that on a future uh, episode. Yeah,
1: they, yeah, find some of them, because... Yeah. yeah.
0: It, you know, I mentioned in my little introduction about this sort of funny, like, moment, in quotes, that we're in, uh, at least in terms of, like, New York Magazine paying attention to polyamory. Do you have any thoughts about, as someone who's obviously been in this life for a long time... And it's just natural to you, right? Like, what is it like to have all of this weird kind of attention? Attention,
1: it is weird because I I think we we have a reputation as like, oh, of course, if someone's poly, you're going to know it because they're going to tell you. Like, you you know, (laughs) we're like vegans, we don't (laughs) shut up about it. But I find that's really not true. That most people who are don't talk about it. You'd probably be shocked by the people in your life who are practicing polyamory uh, and it's usually something that like we have meetups. We like know our communities and we're okay with it being kind of like underground, I guess you could say. Uh, And I think that's because it is so hard to be polyamorous. It does take a lot of just talking and reading and, understanding of, of what you want mm. and it can be dangerous when ideas like that blow up in the mainstream okay like you know it, it's like Cosmo you know sex can be fun and wonderful and empowering but when it's in the hands of like a Cosmo magazine <laughs> and they're telling you like five ways to give your guy the best blowjob it's like okay oh no this is not what you <laughs> this just, is this not, not it wanted, yeah <laughs> so you know I think it's it's like we take a few steps forward and then some back but overall I I I, I guess I like the attention. It's good to see people considering other options.
0: That's true. That is a that is a, a, a high minded way to put it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's just <laughs> there
1: are other, but again, just. Just you know, don't just trust the TV show that's telling you this is fun and easy. It's not. It is yeah. Like I, my I always have the caveat of like, yes, I'm happy being polyamorous. I'm happy I found you know the way I wanted to g- navigate relationships. But at the same time, it is hard. Like really think yeah. about if
0: you want it. <laughs> no, I mean I say you know speaking personally for just a sec, I say the same thing when people are like you know. Basically, like, would you recommend being in a throuple? Uh, and I'm like, no, actually, I would. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, like evangelize about it because actually, it is. It is harder. It like takes. It takes a certain kind of work, and you really have to want to do it right you really have to care about the the people and it's it's not just like a fun lark (laughs) to like (laughs) to to take on so yeah I I totally agree with you on that um all right I think we should get into some questions before we do that let's take a quick break uh, and we'll be right back with our first with our first listener question All right, we are back. We have our first listener question from Stuck in the Middle.
2: Last month, a relationship with someone ended because of differences in availability, but also what being polyamorous meant to each of us. I am solo poly and the person I was dating has a nesting, anchor partner, and self-described the relationship as non-hierarchical. Initially, the relationship felt non-hierarchical, mostly because my metamore had a second partner at the time. Things shifted when that relationship ended. They walked back agreements about time spent together, fought with their partner over the phone in front of me, there was caginess, and new boundaries popped up quickly. This was stressful and frustrating to be on the other side of, especially because what the person I was dating was saying was different from their actions. I don't think they realized the extent of the differences or that it was obvious. My two questions about the situation are, how do individuals in a polyamorous relationship determine what poly means to them in the current relationship? And how do you navigate differences if they arise initially or in practice? And also, what is non-hierarchical polyamory? The streets are bad at an agreed upon definition. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we have a few terms in here that, and just in the process of maybe answering this, um, actually we can we can address non hierarchical metamor and then nesting partner, which is a love. I love that term so much. Yeah, please, please jump in with this one. It's it's a big question. <laughs> oh. I feel like. But, yeah. Oh,
1: it is a question that I actually was like, did I write this? Did I, <laughs> did I write this question? Because I, I mean, it's it's the situation I, I am in now in my relationship dynamic. Mm-hmm. But uh, to get to those terms, so metamor is your partner's other partners uh so uh and sometimes people have close relationships with their metamores they all hang out together uh but it also metamore means they're not dating so mm-hmm, a thruple mm-hmm. is like three people they all date together uh metamore is like you know that person is their own person they do their thing and sometimes maybe we see each other or you don't see each other at all i've also had mm-hmm, situations mm-hmm. where the metamors don't interact. They keep it very separate. Um, so that's what that is. Uh, nesting partner is a term primarily used by people who uh, are non-hierarchical, non-hierarchical, <laughs> uh, non-hierarchical, I can't even say it. It's, it's awful.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Non-hierarchical. What? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they use this term to define the partner that they live with. So They build their nest with, uh, Mm -hmm. instead of using the term primary, because primary means you're ranking your partners. You know what am I secondary? Right, right. Uh, And people are trying to move away from that. Although I say a lot of married open couples still use that term, which you know makes sense. If you're married to someone, you're Mm. basically saying they're they're your primary, right? right. Um, But outside of that, people will say you know this is my nesting partner to let their part other partners know, like I live with someone, so probably can't go back to my place, but also, uh, you know, this is someone who I will have to check in with, who I share regular time with, uh, and who's a part of my schedule. it's supposed to, like I said, mean you're not ranking your partners, but at the same time, and as we see in this question, mm-hmm. uh, nesting partners have a lot of responsibilities to each other. Like, right. maybe they aren't your primary, but they help pay your rent,
0: so you guys probably It's like, have... it's like weighted, yeah, it, like, however, yeah. You, yeah, however you cut it, it's kind of weighted. Yeah, yeah, it's like,
1: you know, if you're seeing me, like, every other day, and I'm just someone, you know, you're dating, and we hang out at my place, but you have this other person who you split bills with, who you do chores with. That's going to create a sort of difference. Uh, But yeah, that's your nesting partner is uh, someone you live with, but you also see other people.
0: Uh, And then what was the last one? Well, you kind of got into a non hierarchical. Oh. I mean, and our, our letter writer sort of asks, you know, the says that the streets are bad at agreed upon definition.
1: Yeah. Um, I, it's, it, yeah. I, again, people will say it's kind of relationship anarchy, like you define each relationship on its own terms. It's a, a, some will say, you know, it is having. A sort of clear line of like what each partner is, but you don't rank them and you care about them all equally uh, and have equal responsibilities to each. Uh, But I I think I just like to lean into the flexibility of it. And I think
0: what really you need to do is ask the person you're seeing what they think it is. (laughs) Well, and that kind of gets us to sort of the maybe I think the core of this question, which is, is kind of broad, but like, what do you do when when it becomes clear that what Polly means to different people in the in the cule, cool, I guess, are, is different, right? Because that's what it seems like happened in this relationship was that it was discovered thing, things sort of shifted under their feet and they were surprised by that. Um, did you have any thoughts about navigating? Yeah,
1: that? you know, you need to have those initial conversations of, you know, what do you want this relationship to be? What are you looking for? And I think that's any dating thing, monogamous, polyamorous, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think with polyamory, those are conversations you have to keep having. I think that's what people sort of forget is they think, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing I'm seeing them and it's happening and it works. And it's like, oh, you need to check in every two weeks, every month. Mm, Uh, mm. I've dated partners where every Sunday we sit and we're like, okay, so how are we feeling about this? How do you feel about this? Uh, It requires that level of communication because polyamory can shift for people you know the way i was poly when i was 23 is not how i do it today at 33 Mm -hmm. Uh, i've learned different boundaries different rules and i had to do that by constantly checking in with myself on my needs and my partners so it requires that level of communication and that's why i say this is hard uh and if you're seeing someone who isn't willing to have those conversations or isn't you probably don't have a a similar idea
0: of Mm -hmm, what kind of polyamory you want to practice. And that's
1: where disconnects like this come
0: in. Yeah. 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 So it sounds like I think the kind of takeaway advice there is to, to next time, you know, um, be sure that those conversations are really happening constantly. um, And and And, I mean, at the same time, this person also says, you know, they,
1: it seems like maybe they did talk, but the person's actions didn't line Mm -hmm. up with what they were saying, which that's true also very true happens, you know, like I have dated people who have a nesting partner and they swear they're not my primary. I, I love both of you. I care about mm. both of you equally. But again, it comes back to being realistic about those responsibilities of, you know, maybe you do really care deeply about both of us, but there's one person who is a nesting partner who, you know, maybe, I, I don't I won't bring up an extreme example, but like, <laughs> who is maybe, you know, wanting more of your time and it's mm-hmm. easier for that mm-hmm. partner to say, Well, don't go out tonight. Actually I want you to stay with me. Right. Uh and right. it's easier to <clears> sort <throat> of be the person they need and to take care of their responsibilities. Uh and that's the reality of the the actions in the situation. You know, every I've dated people with nesting partners and they can tell you until they're blue in the face, like, no, that's not my primary. I care about both of you equally. But at the end of the day, There's one person that you share a bank account with that you're paying bills with. Uh, So I think you kind of have to accept that on the other end of it. Uh, And if it is your goal to be that person with them, to have that kind of relationship, then again, that's a shift sort of uh, because they've come into it telling you, you know, I have a nesting partner. So that does mean there are certain like boundaries you have to put up and understand in the relationship. Uh, It's kind of similar to if they said, I have a primary, Uh, (laughs) except it's not, we all know it's different. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. But it's, it may be good to kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. All right. Let's jump to the next one.
3: Last year, I became involved in my first poly relationship with a couple, Frank and Linda. To be honest, my attraction is mostly to Frank, but I decided to give this relationship a chance, even though Linda was always a bit more distant with me. We settled into a routine. Frank and Linda have a daughter, Marcy, and because of my schedule, I've been able to pick Marcy up from school and help around the house a bit. It feels like we're a family. Recently, Frank and Linda brought someone else, Chelsea, into the relationship. As a result, I've been sidelined. I still pick Marcy up from school and help around the house, but otherwise, Frank and Linda spend very little time with me. I feel both of them, most of all Linda, are more attracted to Chelsea and like her better. I resent Chelsea a lot. When I brought this up, they accused me of being needy and close-minded. I feel betrayed, but this is my first poly relationship, and I worry that they're right and I'm looking at it the wrong way. I don't want to be a clingy girlfriend. On the other hand, if all I'm doing is vacuuming and running errands for Frank and Linda, I don't think that's a real relationship. I don't even know how to discuss it with them again, as the one time I did, they totally blew me off.
1: Ugh. Um, <laughs> oh, I just want to hug her. I just want to hug know. you. I know. Oh, baby girl, baby girl. Oh, you got tricked. It's the, uh, oh, we all, this is a trick. All the early poly girls we fall into, especially us. <laughs> Bye, poly. You thought you were in your first poly relationship. You have been caught by unicorn hunters. That's mm. what you have. You were a unicorn. They hunt and they got a successful kill here. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, There were so many red flags. Uh, I think introducing you to their daughter pretty early on here. I wondered about that. Yeah. 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 Having, you know, uh, your third partner pick up your kid creates a dynamic of like, hey, this is your babysitter. This is, you know, it's not giving this is our equal partner who you may Someday see as a second mom or like, you know, we're all in a relationship on equal footing. uh, (laughs) Having you run their errands, red flag, uh, (laughs) you voicing your concerns and they dismiss you. You're not in their relationship. They're discussing you. I guarantee it. And they aren't talking to you. Uh, you are essentially fulfilling needs for them. And that is kind of what a unicorn is. You know, you fulfill the sexual needs, you fulfill their, you know, when one of them is lonely, whatever it is. Uh, but it, it really, they aren't feeding that back into you. Uh, you know, your needs dismissed. What you want doesn't matter and the biggest red flag they started dating someone else without telling you (laughs) if you're in a real poly relationship with them then they would talk to you about that about bringing someone else into the throuple Mm -hmm. but you're not in their relationship they are in a relationship and they are seeing other people you are just one of their partners
0: and yeah and almost like i mean an employee like it's, yeah. it's you know with the vacuuming and the errands and, oh. and all of that i mean that's just so uh unfair unfair
1: and I, oh, the fact oh unicorn hunters you they make us look so bad they are fine they're under the umbrella of ethical non-monogamy they are my cousins my Mm -hmm. distant cousins Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh, they you know and if you want to engage with that dynamic do it I mean hey I had a summer of fun just dating Mm -hmm. like couples that way and being like yo I'm casual I don't care but this person clearly doesn't want something casual that's just you know fun and about the sex they clearly wanted to be in their first real poly relationship and it is so disappointing when you realize, for you, it was, and for them, you know, you were just kind of another person they were seeing.
0: Yeah, that's so hurtful. I mean, I, I hope it doesn't sort of. I mean, it will. It will obviously leave a bit of trauma, but I hope it doesn't. You know, dissuade them from trying again with with some better better people. Yeah. Do you and think? I-
1: well, I feel this is the dynamic that usually makes people try polyamory and quit it immediately. And quit, yeah. They yeah. found some unicorn hunter. They're like, I thought I liked both of them and they liked me. And it's like, oh, no, that wasn't...
0: Right. That's not it. <laughs> um, The letter writer ends by saying, like, basically, should, how do I discuss this with them? I, I, I'm curious what you think, but my impression is, like, it's time to just go. It's like, time to is, go. Yeah, this is not...
1: This is Is not a healthy dynamic. I mean, it's already weird enough you have, like, a connection relationship with their daughter or their child. child. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's too messy. They clearly don't care about you the way that you care about them. And it is best to go.
0: Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Um sorry, Little Reddit. So I think, sorry. <laughs> I know. I feel I feel very bad for you. But yeah, that's I think it's time to try it. Get out of that and maybe once once you're recovered from it, try it, try again. Yeah,
1: try again. And there are good people to be in thruples with out there, but you know, make it happen from from your position and what you want
0: and be weary of of the couples. That, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, All right, we're going to go to a quick break and we will be back with a few more advice questions after that. All right, we are back. Uh, Our next question is actually coming from the queer polyamory Reddit. I'm excited to hear this one.
1: I recently went on a date with someone new and found out my nesting partner went on a date with the same person over a year ago, and apparently it didn't go so well. My nesting partner basically tried to veto me from seeing this person, claiming that this person hurt them and that they find them to be untrustworthy. This led to an argument of me feeling guilty for wanting to continue to see this person and resentful for being wrongfully controlled. We're now at a bit of an impasse on how to move forward with this. How can I handle this in a healthy way?
0: Hmm. The question of the veto.
1: <laughs> yes, the big question one. of the veto. Uh, th- there's a few parts of this, really, that I-, I think it's you know the question of do you give your partner veto? Do you use vetoes? And if so, you respect that. That's what it's there for. Uh, I think there's also the reality of this is very common in the in polyamory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. there there aren't a ton of us, so you're gonna right, overlap. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, I think you need to listen to your, your nesting partner and understand, like, what their concerns were. Because, hey, maybe they're trying to show you the red flags and save you from a bad time. Uh, but I think this is a situation where you really have to define that metamore relationship. So, if you expect your metamores to be around each other, if you expect your other partner to come into your house where you live with your nesting partner and your nesting partner isn't comfortable... It's not right to put those two people in a metamore dynamic together, right, right? Right. So in that case, I think you do have to kind of default to your nesting partner and say, yeah, I'm not going to introduce this dynamic that will potentially make you uncomfortable in your own home. Uh, but if you have a clear boundary of, hey, my metamores never talk to each other, they aren't around each other you'll never have to deal with this person, then I think that's a place to maybe negotiate and to say, hey, I want to find my own separate thing with this person. I understand what your relationship was to them. I'm not trying to change that or say it's wrong. Uh, But, you know, really, you'll have to say it that like define it from your own perspective of this is our thing and you're not going to be included. And if your partner's okay with that, great. Maybe you found a solution. And if not, again, you just gotta, I think you gotta step away. You, you...
0: I think that's super smart. And it also, like, I think it hinges on what do we mean by, like, hurt and what do we mean by untrustworthy? Yeah. Like, you would just need to know, we would need to know that information because, uh, you know, there's some, many things that would just be on the pale. I yeah. Think. And maybe know. some things where you could, okay.
1: Be like, if it's like, oh, I don't trust them because they were always, like, 10 minutes late to our date. Right. That was like, <laughs> right. irritating to me. And it's like, oh, I'm always late. Who cares, you know?
0: Yeah, right.
1: I, obviously, you have to listen to those, like, levels and you know th- those concerns are valid but you take your own you know what you're comfortable with but personally i think if you have a nesting partner and that's the person you live with probably share a bed with you right. don't want
0: them waking up angry so no yeah don't <laughs> respect, introduce yeah, respect yeah respect the veto <laughs> yeah yeah i think that makes sense uh all right our final question here uh, is also from reddit
4: i'm a 27 year old woman in a wonderful three-person relationship with a male partner of 10 years i'll call him jacob and a non-binary partner of a year i'll call them riley and you know i i love both of them so much and love the time that we spend together as a trio however There have been two, three instances over the past couple months where I've been away on trips and Jacob and Riley have had lovely intimate weekends at home together. I am starting to feel a lot of jealousy. I dug into that to see where it was coming from and came to the conclusion I'm really missing having one-on-one intimate and quality time with each of them. I rarely, if ever, have sex alone with either of them or quality time dates. And I find this a bit odd because I live with Jacob, but I think he's using all of his emotional, romantic, sexual energy for quality time with the three of us and not so much bringing his present energetic self home. I think I'm feeling jealous that this need isn't being met for me, but it is being met for Jacob and Riley. I'm planning on asking for maybe a you know one-on-one date a month with one or each of them, but I'm wondering, does anyone have experience with this or advice? This is my first throuple, and I would just love any insights or thoughts on how I can deal with this situation.
0: This letter writer is so insightful, I think, about the situation. So I'm I'm really hopeful that we can work this out. As a throuple person, I have some thoughts, but uh, Ashley, why don't you go first and then I can jump in.
1: Uh, I mean, I love the insight. They looked into their jealousy, saw where it was coming from. Yes, this is, you're doing it. You read the books. Okay. You're okay. Yes. So we have a good basis of polyamory in the group. Everyone is listening. Respectful. Mm. (sighs) Green flag. Let's go. Uh, I do think this person is right that they, Really pinpointed the situation yeah, of when you, see. yeah, when you're in a throuple, you know the one-on-one dynamic doesn't disappear. And I think, uh, especially, I think they've only been doing this for about a year. I think in that year, the newness of it makes you want to do everything as the throuple, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, threesomes all the time, and that is great. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. fun, and yeah. you know, doing everything together. Uh, but you still have to nurture those one-on-one bonds, uh, and you know, in the newness and the excitement, it, that can be for. So bringing that up to your partners and establishing those one-on-one date nights is such a great idea. Um, and at the same time, I did love hearing that this person's partners are have creating a strong one-on-one dynamic mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because that so rarely happens. Uh, so on the other side of jealousy, there's compersion. Right. And compersion is when you feel joy seeing the person you love be happy. Uh, and it sounds like there's a little bit of that here. Uh, the letter writer says, you know, I do like seeing that, but on the other side is the jealousy. That's jealousy, right? Uh, right. And I think leaning into those one-on-one. One relationships will help bring out the compersion. You know, when you have your time with them, it'll just make you appreciate their time together. Uh, and compersion just, I think, makes Thrupple stronger. Uh, it's it's a big part of it. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you mm-hmm. have to be happy seeing the other person with the other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they've really set up a plan here that I think will lead to success.
0: I do too. I, you know, I've been in, in my throuple for, uh, coming up on seven years. Um, and so I, I totally know what you're talking about that, that (laughs) sort of early time when everything's very exciting and it's like, wow, we're, we're three, like the newness of that. Um, but then you really do have to attend to the individual, you know, sort of spokes of that triangle or whatever you you would call it. Um, you absolutely do. You have to make time, Uh, I love the idea of like the dates, like set dates. We have actually done that at different periods in my relationship. And it was super effective just being like, okay, me and Tristan are going to go do this you know, this month, and me and Cam are going to do that, and valuing that as a really important, you know, keeping the relationship strong, right? Um, because you can't just. It's, sometimes it's just too much to do everything together yeah. <laughs> as three people too. Like it can just be. Uh, it's good. It's like healthy to remember what you like about each person individually, and just and bring that back then to the whole group. So I think you're totally right, letter writer, to be planning this. I think I think make it intentional, and it can be fun. It's like it's a happy thing. It's not like oh, this is some kind of Work we have to do, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like actually a lovely thing to to go on a date with just one of your partners, and and ideally, like you said, Ashley, like that compersion will come into play where it, you know your other partner will be delighted to hear about that, and it'll just be for the good of the relationship overall. So yeah, I yeah. think letter writer, you've got it. You've got you've got the right idea, and you're not. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with what you're feeling at all. It makes complete sense, yeah. and I think just follow that instinct to to firm up those those uh, relationships individually.
1: Yeah. Plus, it gives you something to talk about again. You're doing all the yes. things together. It's like, yeah, I was there. I know. <laughs> no, I know. Oh my god. <laughs> but so now true. you get the excitement of being like, where did you guys go out to eat? What'd you do? How was it? Right. Like, it it'll, right. it freshens things up.
0: So actually, that's so true. That's so true. One of the benefits of having a throuple or being in a throuple is that a lot of times one of you maybe doesn't feel like doing a thing. Like maybe you've been invited to dinner or something like that, and people are c- kind enough to invite all three of you it's you have an out you can just be like i don't feel like it tonight i'll send the two of you as our like emissaries (laughs) yes you know to the thing and i'm gonna stay home and just rest or whatever and and but then you get to talk about it and yeah so you get to hear all the gossip like you were there it's i it's great (laughs) it is really great it's it is it's one of the special special powers of, of that for sure Thank you, Ashley. This has been so fun. I feel like we've I feel like we've really helped helped some people. I hope so. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming. Where can our listeners find you and and, and follow your work? You can follow me at the Ashley Ray Anywhere uh, the Ashley Ray
1: on on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want. Um, I share a lot of my polyamory thoughts and writing. Uh, and if you want to read some of the stories of my dating life, uh, I do have a Substack called 52 Dates. Uh, I did a challenge where I, I forced myself to go on one. A new date every week of the year wow. uh, until I could not do it anymore. So uh, I, I talk a lot about how I deal with my polyamory and solo poly
0: there. And do you want to tease your podcast? I know that um, oh, right. you're about, we're about to do, uh, um, we were <laughs> t- talking before this started about couple to throuple. Yes. Maybe you want to tease that. Yes.
1: So I have my <laughs> podcast TV. I say with Ashley Ray, it is all about TV. Uh, I interview your favorite people and I will, t- I'm interviewing the host of couple to throuple and I have been tearing the show apart, so it's going to be a very <laughs> real conversation about what that show is doing. Uh, and then also, my debut comedy album, Ice Cream Money, is out March first.
0: Uh, and there is so much about polyamory on there. There's a lot of jokes. So. Oh my gosh, so much, so many wonderful things coming. That's so exciting. Thanks again, Ashley, and everybody, go go out and follow Ashley. She's incredible. right that is the show for this week uh if you like the advice please remember that we're going to be doing this regularly uh probably about once a month or so so if you have a question send it to us uh you can send those to our we love anything high stakes low stakes queer family dynamics uh friendships work decisions all that stuff is welcome so send us those voicemails and emails uh for future advice episodes Uh, You can also send us feedback and topic ideas at outwardpodcast.slate.com or reach out on Facebook or X at Slate Outward. Just a reminder, as always, that by joining Slate Plus, you will get ad-free podcasts, extra segments on shows like Working, and you will never hit a paywall on the Slate site. To learn more about that, go to slate.com slash plus. Our show was produced, as always, by the wonderful Palace Shaw. If you like Outward, please subscribe in your podcast app, tell everybody about it, rate and review so others can find it. Uh, Until next time, stay gay, everybody. And maybe Polly. Polly, too.